This episode was recorded July 1st of 2021. Come on. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, a little bit of cool in the gang to get our inaugural Kicking It With The Colonels podcast started. I am David Miller, and in our little podcast here, we will try to keep you up to date with the things going on within EKU athletics, but also try to bring you the greatest stories both on and off the court from both student athletes, past and present. But we're kicking it off right with our celebration as we rise with the A-Sun. And we have Commissioner of the A-Sun, Ted Gumbart, and Vice President and Director of, of Athletics here at Eastern Kentucky, Matt Roan. Gentlemen, first off, appreciate you taking the time. Hey, happy to be here. It's always good to be uh, on the debut broadcast. So here we are, kicking it with the Colonels. I appreciate it, Miller. It's a great day for EKU uh, athletically from an institution standpoint, not only uh, having the Commissioner here to, to officially welcome us into his league, uh, an outstanding league uh, now that it's July 1, but also to uh, launch the debut of this program. Commissioner Gumbart, I love your energy. You were addressing the staff earlier today, and you're like me. Like, you just got go-go juice for days. Is that something that's always been going on with you, or is that just, you know, something that happened as you learn things that you need to know? Well, golly, let's jump in and talk about nature versus nurture. This is the EKU uh, sociology, psychology, and anthropology class now. Uh, but I think it's, a, it's everything. We're all made up of everything that uh, has gone on in our individual journey. So everyone's called you Miller so far, so I guess that's uh, uh, okay. Yes, I'll jump is. in. So uh, you've had your own journey. I don't know what day one to today has brought for you, but you're a combination of all of that. And uh, same with me and everybody else. So for me, there's always been a little bit of performer, and I don't know where it comes from, so that's probably a little nature, because it's always been there. And the nurture, uh, my dad had the driest uh, sarcastic sense of humor. Uh, I think he was a training. Uh, <laughs> I think he was a great teacher, a great coach, uh, intentionally or not, but uh, I, love, I love a good time. I love to laugh, and uh, so, uh, if that's contagious, you know, we like to share that. Uh, but I would say for all of us, where it's a combination, we, we uh, try to be conscious of who we are and use, you know, use what we're good at, but also be aware of what that also does. Said, hey, you know, sometimes I'm up talking, I may lose track of what you asked me. And I have to be cognizant of that and say, hey, it's okay, pull me back. Tell me, you know, what you need. Stop me if I'm going over. If this is a three-minute podcast, I'm sorry. I just used half of it. But, uh, but yeah, just really pleased to be here. And uh, before I forget, uh, one of the reasons the ASUN and EKU are partners, and we are partners, he said, hey, we joined his conference. And no, it's your conference. It's our conference. And one of the reasons we're partners is a mindset that there's always something better if you're willing to go look for it and build it. And that's what we're doing together. We're building something better, and not everybody's a builder. Yeah, that's a fact. But we are, and we've got it, and as we build it, it becomes bigger, better, stronger, 
and then we become more attractive and we have an easier time making more partners. So we're fired up. Yeah, I am. I'm fired up. I love it. And we'll talk about that. Our conference started back in 1978 under the Trans-American Athletic Conference. And uh, it's grown. You have been around since 91 as the first assistant commissioner. But as, as I was doing some digging, reading your bio, um, I have a feeling your connection started when you were going for your master's degree while you were hanging out at Stetson. Because it seemed like you were there when Stetson joined the TAAC. That's correct. And uh, you said you're going to do some stories and learn a little bit more than just the news. Said, hey, what was the box score? Who's the leading scorer? You know, who leads? So here's a little bit of my story. Uh, I grew up in Connecticut and uh, great public school system. Uh, my mom was a teacher. And then uh, I've got three brothers. We're all two years apart, which is very competitive gap two years. I bet. So uh, if you're a parent and you've experienced like the 13s or the 14s, like she had someone at 13 or 14 years old for like eight years in a row or more. Uh, so very strong mom and very highly values education, my mom and my dad. So part of my background is the value of education. Uh, so growing up in Connecticut, uh, was a good student, mostly part of maybe the gift of a good memory. Uh, so there's part of what also uh, maybe helped me be academically successful in the moderate stages I was from high school into college. But uh, when I was going to grad school, I was just turning from uh, you know an experiential student, like let's go see, you know, to a serious student. Said I got I got to learn something. I got to I got to find a way to make a living and uh, had offers to go to three or four different schools. And one of them was Fairfield, which uh, I grew up in North Haven, right outside of New Haven, Connecticut. Fairfield's, you know, 40 miles down the road. Uh, great school, love it, but, eh, what, you know, it wasn't going to help me explore anything new. Uh, Southeast Missouri State was actually one that I had a, uh, a graduate assistantship or an internship offer. Uh, have to admit, that when I was growing up in Connecticut, UConn was in the Yankee Conference, and UMass was in the Yankee Conference. So it was a little history, history. between then and now. Uh, so uh, Southeast Missouri State, it, that was like a foreign country. I was like, I don't even know where that is. I had never been. Uh, we flew to, to uh, Florida one time, but other than that, if I couldn't drive it within three or four hours, I'd probably never been there. So that seemed, you know, I was like, I don't know. But Florida, Stetson University. And uh, so that's where I went to get my master's and uh, eventually met my, uh, to become my wife. And she was from Florida. She played volleyball at Stetson. And uh, when we, when I got the job at the conference in 1991, we had already started dating. And it came down to like, all right, well, I guess this is it. And it was a long distance relationship for a while. And we said, all right, we're we going to make this permanent or not. And that, that, uh, that was a turning point in my life. And she just uh, let me know that, by the way, the north-south line is probably right around North Carolina. I said, I, you know, we're never shoveling snow if you're going to, you know, <laughs> we're going to make this a go together. So, yeah, that, that, uh, that brought me to Stetson. And from there, uh, it connected into the work with the, the Trans America, the TAC, and I was part of that 
uh, name and logo change to the Atlantic Sun. Okay. And then uh, really was not a big a part of it when we moved to what now we just go by A Sun. And the students uh, helped design the logo that we use now. Uh, their comments were, we're the only ones that have to wear it. It's on all of our uniforms. Like, we should have a say. We said, I like that. We said you're right. I like you're that. right. And uh, so they also debuted it. It was the beginning of social media stuff. And uh, we decided not to have a press release, not to have, a, a, you know, hey, let's put out the news. We simply asked the uh, ambassadors on campus. They had their own social media ambassadors. Like, well, whoever has the most followers, yeah, you're the... You do it. So uh, let's say we had 10 schools at the time, and they each had, you know, uh, 10 sports, and so there's 100 leaders, and they did it. We just teased it and said, tomorrow at 10, new announcement, and our new logo came out over uh, Twitter, I guess, and that's when I learned what trending <laughs> meant. Uh, so, yeah, that's how we got it going, and that's the, the brief history of the A-Sun conference. It was the TAC and then the Atlantic Sun and now A-Sun, and uh, I came involved in 91 when I moved from Stetson uh, to be that first assistant commissioner. So there you go. What goes into selecting schools for expansion? The good looks of the ADs, um, I've I found. Uh, I'll, let you, I'll let you expound on that, though. It helps out, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and whether I get a good meal when I'm on <laughs> campus, if I come to visit, uh, it really all boils down to where they take me for dinner. So. I'm with you. Where'd they take you? We went uh, to Apollo Pizza. Yeah, we did. I had my tie-dye t-shirt on. Nice. Yep. Did a make your own. It was, it was wonderful. Uh, all right. I, I, I'm going to change the question a little, and then we'll get back to it. So sure. don't forget it. You got it written I won't. down. I got like, it written down. All right. I came prepared today. So uh, we get this question a lot. How do you pick the player of the week? What are the criteria? Uh, we actually had to write them down so that a new intern that's doing the player of the week, you know, said, here's the answer. You know, don't, don't get flustered. Here's the answer. Everything. Everything goes into it. It's like, who's the player of the week? All right. Tell me everything you did. Tell me everything you did. And then we look at them and say, well, how do you decide? I said, it's our decision, you know, uh, totally subjective, We'll look at the objective data, how many points, but what's the most deserving performance? Okay. And say, what is the most deserving performance? Well, how distinguished is it? Is it run of the mill or was it, you know, out of extraordinary? Yeah. How do you define that? Something may happen that's never happened before. Let's say uh, somebody scored two points in a basketball game and they became the all-time leading scorer in NCAA history with those two points. I scored four. I scored twice as many points as that person, and you didn't even honor me. I'm like, well, th their two points were a little more uh, distinguished than yours. So, so everything goes into it. So back to your question, th there's... Uh, obviously some metrics we use and does the institution fit with our institutions? Uh, you know, we look at the uh, metrics such as how many student athletes are on the honor roll. What percentage of the student athletes earn a uh, 3.0 or better? 
Uh, our ASON marks are over 70% the last couple of years, which is tremendous. Uh, if the kernels were at 35, well, that, that doesn't match. So you look at everything to find the match. There's no one thing that says, oh, well, you have to have this. You know, if, if, you know, we already got enough maroon teams, you know, you're out. It's like, well, wait a minute. You know, Mississippi State's maroon. They just won the Baseball World Series, their first national championship as an institution. It's like, ah, okay, maroon, maroon's good this year. We need another maroon team. So, yeah, obviously team color is really important. Uh, but, but everything matters. Everything matters. At the bottom line. You need to add value to our current membership. Our current membership, which is now 12 today, yesterday it was nine. Those nine members didn't sit around and say, hey, you know what? We should do EKU a favor. You know, we should go see if we can help them by letting them recruit in our markets. Uh, you know, we, we should really do them a favor. Like, no, that had nothing to do with it. What will add value to that group of nine? And those nine institutions and their presidents and their ADs are their leadership. What will add value? And so it's a uh, ever-evolving equation. And uh, I will tell you, at least from my perspective, schools, how do they determine what conference to be in? They will choose the best fit from all available options. So EKU is choosing the best option for them, and we're trying to add value for our membership. So if, if that starts to match up, then you have the conversation and you go deeper. Uh, bottom line, it wouldn't reach today if you didn't find in that investigation that we are adding value, they are uh, finding what they've determined to be a better uh, option and that we all agree together our future is brighter and stronger and that we we intend to build something that's new and better uh, so that's that's really how it goes and sometimes it takes you know 18 months uh, sometimes it's even more than that that you, you've laid the groundwork for things yeah. but uh, the the value proposition has to be that's a partnership it has to add value for EKU and it has to add value for the ASUN and when you find that and you feel like it will be a long-term productive relationship, then, then you make a commitment. And that's what we've done. And I will tell you, uh, all of the metrics don't matter if you don't respect the people you're working with. So I'll drop a lot of stuff uh, from time to time when I get a chance to speak in front of a microphone. But one of them is, at least from my perspective, people do business with people. The contract uh, or the agreement says a son will partner with Eastern Kentucky University. We will do this, this, this. And at the bottom, it's signed. So David McFadden signed it. Matt Roan signed it. Ted Gumbart signed it. Uh, our president at the time of the conference uh, was Mike Martin. Now it's Ken Kitts, different presidents. But those people made the decision. So if the nine presidents, we need 75%. This vote was unanimous, but we need a minimum of seven of nine to say it's a good idea. 
So he said, how do you decide? Like, well, if seven of nine agree and you guys are willing to sign, there you're in the conference. Kind of stole my question while you were doing that. There's nothing like, Matt, what goes in on, all, on from the institution's end on leaving or entering a conference? I, I think the commissioner is exactly right. Um, when we're looking with or at all options and, and you analyze and, you know, I think one of the, the probably the biggest misconceptions is that a decision like this and a day like this is the result of, of haste, uh, of not being informed. Um, you know, we felt each other out for a long time. Uh, we shared data. Uh, we got to know each other. And it was through that we realized those markets, uh, those institutions, um, the vision, the leadership, uh, both at the conference office itself in, in Atlanta, uh, and that was a valuable fact, but also the leadership on campuses, you know, my, my peers, uh, new peers, um, the SWAs, the, the, the FARs, certainly the CEOs, presidents and chancellors on those campuses, um, everything was analyzed. Um, but, you know, we've, we've made a lot about um, the institutional fit, uh, the fact that for us we're focused on obviously our, our current student body and giving them the best experience that we possibly can. And the nine schools who are in the ASUN and the two that are joining with us today in UCA and JSU, that gets our fans excited. And so when they come here and they compete, hopefully that will pack our venues. Uh, there will be exceptional Division One athletics competition that will be occurring, and our students get excited about that. Uh, but we also want to introduce our brand to new students in, in growing, thriving markets. Uh, we want to engage our alums where they are. And so when you really look at the life cycle of, of an institution, it made sense in every way. Athletically, um, what the league wants to become. Uh, the, the, again, the, the boldness, uh, the visionary approach, uh, the fact that baseball and softball, you know, it's a perfect example. Uh, it's not an AQ, it's not a single bid league. Uh, it's a multiple bid league. Um, the fact that, you know, just a handful of years ago, it had a team in the basketball tournament advance to the Sweet 16. Um, two years ago, it had a, a 12 seed upset, um, a five seed and advanced to the round of 32. And so in every way and every metric, this is the right move for us. Just to, to stay on that, you're talking about best experience, re-engaging our fan base. How does this help our footprint? I think it, you know, you look at where we are um, and, and, and 24 hours ago, we were in a league that, that is in Kentucky, uh, and we certainly wanted to make sure that we had a strong footprint in Kentucky, and I'll come back to that here in just a moment, but we were in Tennessee, uh, we were in Missouri, we were in Illinois, um, we were in Alabama, uh, and again, we're able to stay there, um, but when you talk about the states that we're now a part of 24 hours later, uh, Florida, Georgia, Virginia, still in Alabama, still in Tennessee, um, and then obviously having Kentucky able to go into Arkansas now. Um, you know, in the state of Kentucky, we're, we're trading, you know, a little bit more re remote locations when we take the show on the road, and we're in the, the, the Commonwealth's major metropolitan area. Yeah. Uh, we're getting to develop a, a great rivalry with uh, Bellarmine. You know, you look at cities like Jacksonville. You look at cities like Nashville, thriving, dynamic cities, and then just where the, the conference is located. I mean, the only Division One conference located in, as they say, the ATL. Uh, but the only Division One conference located in Atlanta, what that does for us, uh, both, you know, now and in, in the future with potential for championships yeah. and, um, you know, the opportunity to meet there and, and you know, our fans to travel there, that's, that's a great opportunity for us. Commissioner, sorry, 12 teams, A-Sun's back at its peak, 21 sports now with the advent of football. 
what does it take to start a football conference essentially from scratch since it wasn't offered up until this year and you got five teams that play not counting Liberty or Stetson who are um, Liberty FBS independent and Stetson's the Pioneer League so you can assume that they wouldn't try to make a jump up. Correct. Those two uh, are uh, well positioned and, and secure. And one thing we determined as a baseline was that uh, to be a member of the A-Sun, we would not require you to uh, make a declaration that you had to play football. And if you chose to play football, that you had to play at this level. So uh, we made that determination that it is still in our Constitution and bylaws an institutional decision whether or not to sponsor football. And if you sponsor it, it's an institutional decision at what level you sponsor it. Okay. And so uh, that was a, a founding principle. You also are looking to say, hey, you can't start it with one or two. Uh, but we knew from our research back you know, years ago that football is a dynamic in this footprint that moves programs. Uh, East Tennessee State dropped football. They moved from the Southern to the A-Sun. I don't know, eight or nine years later, they added football back. They moved from the A-Sun into the Southern Conference. Uh, just an example. So it's not a big secret. It's like, oh, football matters. It was like, hey, uh, you don't have to listen to much uh, sports talk in the Southeast to find out football matters. It's not a fall season. Uh, that's when they play the games, but it's year round, 24-7. Yeah. Football matters. So that's good. Uh, what can we do for our football programs? So we built a partnership with the Big South, which allowed us to recruit a school like North Alabama. Uh, they play football. If we couldn't provide them a home, we wouldn't be able to have them in our conference. So we were creative. We forged a partnership. And then we said, oh, now Kennesaw is adding football. Well, I knew that was going to happen. The day they joined the conference, they didn't have football at the time, one of the reporters said, uh, how long until you add football? And, uh, I like how we got right up into the mic. That's right. It's that. like Because it wasn't me that asked that. It was some <laughs> reporter. reporter. That, that's the reporter voice, I guess, I envision. Uh, but we had to make a plan for that. So we helped them get into the Big South. I went to the press conference when the Big South Commissioner Kyle Kalander announced that Kennesaw would be a member of Big South football. So we celebrated with them. If We want them to be uh, growing and successful. And then we said, oh, you know what? Football in an associate partnership is probably not the long-term answer. So if we would like these two programs to stick with us in the long term, we finally nailed it. Not having football was our biggest advantage. We're the only ones that can start a football program. So he said, hey, you know what? We got two. They're good, strong programs. One's in the Atlanta market. One's over here in north, uh, the northwest part of Alabama. Let's just look. Is there anybody else in this region that might be interested in a regional football program? Well, we talked to many, many, many different folks, found out there was indeed an interest. We built a plan, and then uh, the plan evolved. You know, COVID changed a lot of things. But for us, for some, it accelerated rationale to make something new. For others, it, it put a stop. We, we can't do something new right now. And so the equation changed. 
And it came down to, all right, who is not only interested, but willing to build, has a vision for the future, and is willing to say, we can build something new. Because that's not everybody. But uh, we had a wonderful celebration in February in Atlanta uh, where we called it the A-Sun Football's birthday party. So it was born, it's launched. Uh, we're going to have an AQ this coming fall with four schools that ultimately will uh, play in the, the WAC, uh, our three incoming schools. And so there's going to be an AQ in that group. And then there's going to be an AQ in the Big South. And Kennesaw State is going to be fighting for that. So we might have two AQs, and we expect that larges. So you have to lay a plan, find out if the market will receive your plan, because it's not my decision. It's the market's decision. Do you have an idea? Do you have a plan? Do you have a vision that others will see as valuable and buy into it? So we're happy we were able to do that, but uh, part of the vision was you just build in something that exists. Well. On that birthday party, every one of us was deliberate in saying, our goal is to be the best FCS conference in the country. I like it. So uh, bring it on. Anybody says, well, would you play? The yes. Would you? Yes, we will. We'll do it. We want to prove we're the best. And that doesn't mean we win the most games. We want to win the most games. Yeah. But it means we're also supporting our student athletes properly. We're giving them a great experience. We're graduating them. Uh, we, have, we want our uh, constituents to become the best recruiters for EKU and the A-Sun. Like, give them a great experience, and then they become your best recruiters and supporters. Yeah. So every day, treat them with respect, give them a great experience, and they become your best recruiters. And uh, all I have to do is come on with you and talk into a mic. That's where it's at. You know, I have zero problems sitting down and kicking it with people and talking into microphones. That's why Matt lets me actually do this. <laughs> uh, Matt, with providing that experience for the student-athletes, we've been doing a lot of um, touch-ups, turf um, installations. Why don't you talk, to, talk about that for a little bit, let the fans know what's going on and what they can expect here in the future as we continue to rise with the ASUN? Yeah, we, we really have seven big projects that we are either underway or, or hope to get underway uh, here very soon. Um, you know, we'll, we'll do the, the whole thing and we've done the facility audit. I'm excited to take the commissioner around today and show him where ASUN logos uh, are now on outfield walls and on basketball floors and volleyball courts. And uh, we're really excited about those things. But, but we know the quality of institutions that we're joining, uh, those that are joining with us that you know, we have to keep up, we have to continue to invest uh, and to give our student athletes the best chance to be successful and, and create a great experience, not only for them, but for our fans as well. And so uh, if you've driven by Roy Kidd Stadium, you'll see that all five light poles uh, have had some work done on those where we're replacing those uh, very old, very dark lights. Um, the commissioner, probably when he came to, to a game this past you guys, fall. You guys have those dark lights? We have those yeah, dark, have dark lights. lights. you got to save those and auction them off. Like, hey, these are collector's items, the dark lights. But the halogens, uh, maybe, maybe I think that's a synonym for dark. But uh, we, we've replaced those with, with LEDs um, that are going to have all of the light features that you see in pro stadiums and SEC stadiums. And so we're, when you talk about being the best, that's part of being the best. Uh, we're excited when the team runs out to be able to hit a switch and, you know, lights go maroon, stadium goes maroon, it goes dark, and then we pop it back on. Uh, that's going to be a game changer for us. So we've done that lighting project. Uh, it, it is almost complete. Um, as soon as we get that finished, 
Uh, we'll put a new rug down uh, inside the stadium, uh, all new design. Uh, it had, the one that we have there has, has kind of outlived its useful life. Uh, and so we're excited again to put that down, new logos, uh, and, and really just kind of a fresh look, uh, but a great opportunity for our student athletes. Um, we'll put new lights up at um, our cross country and track and field complex, our track and field complex. Um, you know, we had the opportunity this past year to host the Rick Erdman uh, Twilight, uh, the first of its kind uh, here, and, and to welcome teams from really all over this region and have the, the turnout that we did. But we had to rent lights to support what we had in place. And so taking those down, putting new ones up, I think it gives us a first class track and field facility and one we can be proud of. Um, we will. Uh, be doing new turf at our, at our baseball complex, same, same reasons. Uh, certainly want to give our student athletes the best chance to be successful in our climate, uh, the quality of baseball in the league. Uh, we want to be able to use that space year round and to be able to put a blade on it when we need to and push any ice or snow off. And so we're not just going to replace the turf on the infield, but we're going to do the entire park. Uh, again, I think that's going to be a recruiting advantage for us, a competitive advantage for us. And then finally, you know, we, we have a relationship with um, as far as turf and lights go, we have a relationship with Campus Rec. Uh, we're trying to build a synergy there uh, at our intramural turf site, which also is used by our football program as a practice facility. Uh, we're able to, to replace the rug that's been down there and put an all-new surface down. So that's going to benefit our student body. That'll benefit athletics indirectly. Uh, very, very excited about that. But the final two things I'll talk about, um, is we want to reward success. Um, and, and we're incredibly proud of our softball program, the season that they had advancing to the, the Knoxville Regional. Uh, their scoreboard needed some, some love. Uh, and so we're going to install a new video board uh, at our softball park, and we're going to do the same thing at our baseball park and put a new board up there. So you can actually see the numbers, uh, believe it or not. If you come to our park on a sunny day, uh, other than the bottom of the fourth inning, you don't know what the That's score is, on. how many outs, uh, how many errors, anything. Um, and so we're excited to do those seven things this summer. No, I'm also pumped to see all that stuff. I've been talking with Watchfire, so I'll be handling a lot of that uh, installation for the software and things like that. All right, that was all about business. Now we're to, like, the fun and knowledge nuggets. What wanted, like, the two of you just to get into college athletics? Because it's not a 9-to-5 type job by any means. I wanted to meet Matt Roan. <laughs> mission, mission accomplished. Yep, I am hereby announcing my retirement since I've fulfilled my career His goals. Career goals. Yeah. He's met Matt Rowan, ladies uh, and gentlemen. Miller, the commissioner's seat is open. You've always talked to me about that one. <laughs> you can have it. The, uh, it's funny, you talk about different stories, uh, you know, and so we should ask you, how'd you get behind the mic and become director of digital media here? But uh, glad to tell you. The, uh, you heard I was uh, kind of an existential student during my undergrad. Uh, I existed and I was a student. Uh, Lafayette College, he's a big Lehigh fan. Don't let him confuse oh you there. Man. Well, from, from no, the we'll, give me, we'll come back to that. The, uh, there's, there's still the engineers. I think they're like the Skyhawks or something, but uh, they were brown uniforms and they're the engineers and I got a story to tell you. But that's the most played rivalry in football history, college football history. Really? They've played the most. They had like the 150th at Yankee Stadium. Uh, they used to play twice a year. Uh, they're both, uh, you know, old universities, so they've had a chance to play. But that's the most played rivalry. So there's a piece of Lafayette Lehigh trivia. But uh, when I went to graduate school, as I told you, I had to make some decisions mm -hmm. and uh, finally talked to the people that were guidance counselors and uh, finally asked for help, said, hey, you know what? You guys do this for a career. What do you think I should do? 
and uh, my degree was in economics and business. Uh, I'd interviewed with a shirt and tie on to be a banker, and uh, I, I, I couldn't get into it, so I would convey that with body language. I'm a big believer that body language is one of the universal languages, you know, like music, that you convey so much with your body, your eyes, your face. It, they knew I didn't want to be a banker. So I went and asked, and they said, well, looks like your, your chosen activities are communications, because uh, I wrote for the paper, I was on the radio station, and sports. And I said, well, yeah, that's true. He said, well, uh, I got into sports information. And that was my ticket for a graduate degree. I got my MBA at Stetson. And uh, so getting into it was partly uh, a ticket for my graduate degree. And I was uh, a, a little better student then. Uh, my graduate GPA was significantly higher than my undergraduate. And uh, again, thought I was going into the business world. Uh, had an interview with uh, a Warner Lambert, which it was a consumer products company at the time. Uh, you know, they, I think they're owned by Bristol Myers Squibb now, how many generations ago with stock swaps and things. But uh, again, I was going to get into consumer product marketing. You know, I'm going to help you, or Procter & Gamble I interviewed yeah. with, said, hey, you need to buy more Tide. You know why? <laughs> like, because my job depends on it. Because uh, your clothes are dirty. That's right. You know, you smell. You know, do us all a favor. <laughs> so, uh, while there, found out that I liked the athletic department and Stetson was a hands-on, I could do a lot of things. I ended up announcing baseball on the radio. Uh, I, was, I sold ads for the program, for the basketball. I obviously have sports information. Uh, you're there first with the trainers. You're there last with the trainers. And uh, learned a lot about everything. I said, you know what, I, I can do this. And, and uh, so I became the SID, and then when the, the job opened up at the then the TAC office, I said, you know, I would like to do that. I, I think I can help. And so in a sense, I'm running a small business. I oversee human resources. I oversee the budget. I oversee the marketing. I oversee uh, operations. And so I am the chief administrative officer and I think that's what my education pointed me towards all along. I just didn't know it. So, A, it's, it's, uh, it's rewarding, and B, you know, I think it's something I was built to do. There's a lot of things I wasn't built to do. Being a coach is one of them. I'm like, holy cow, I could never be a coach. God bless them that we have coaches. Because yeah. uh, I didn't mention it this morning, but they have the greatest impact on these young people's uh, lives. They recruit them. They spend the most time with them in training. They uh, are a counselor to them academically and socially, uh, and uh, their relationship matters more than any other. So when we have good grades, good graduation results, we win championships, let's thank the coaches. Uh, I'll never be one, but God bless them. We have great coaches, and we want to give them tools to be the best they can be. That, that's where Matt comes in. That's what he does. No, and you, you're exactly right. If you can't play, you coach, and if you can't coach, you get into administration. Is that right? Uh, but no, for me, you know, I look back. Um, I always thought that I wanted to play, uh, and I did. I loved it. Um, but I look back now, and I, I feel like this is what I always wanted to do. Um, I was very, very fortunate to uh, be a student athlete, and, and I think my first sincere thoughts about making a career out of this were formed there. Uh, when I had the opportunity to 
to, to learn from a guy like Kim Beezer. Um, I was, I was married when I was finishing playing and, uh, I had a, a part-time job in the athletics offices and he would be there late and I would pop in and I was a student athlete on the football team and I would say, Hey, who are we playing next year? Uh, and so we would talk schedules and, and he would, you know, just kind of give me a glimpse behind the curtain of how administration worked. And so really that was a, a first mentor in, in this profession. Um, but then I had the opportunity uh, to, to kind of pursue football a little bit further. Um, and, and in that pursuit, I found myself at Hargrave Military Academy uh, from August of 2008 through May of 2009. And while I was there in that 10 months, I, I did meet a guy by the name of A.W. Hamilton. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. But, I think I know that guy. But a really good guy. Uh, and we is set. He a, is he a poet? He is. He, he is. Guy he uses is. the lowercase. He, correct. A.W. Yes, that's right. Um, but A.W. and I worked about 15 feet away from one another, and that's a story for another day. But I had the opportunity to, to recruit. Uh, I had the opportunity to try to develop, to mentor, in that case, young men. Um, but I realized, hey, there's something to this. I, I love this. I feel a calling to it. Um, and to try to make the same impact on them that my coaches and my administrators uh, made on me. Uh, I had a chance to go to law school uh, just up the road here at UK, um, and it was there that, again, I think that further solidified itself. Um, but I will tell you, for me, you know, I kind of joke with the, if you can't play, you coach, and if you can't coach, you administrate. Um, for me, I just I have a passion for really kind of the entire enterprise, if yeah. you will. Um, I love all 16 programs that we offer. Um, as when, when, when fall sports are over, I'm ready for winter. When winter's over, I'm ready for spring. And then when spring's over, you're ready to recharge and get ready for fall once again. Um, I'm not as much into the X's and O's as I am the pageantry, the tradition, you know, the marketing, uh, trying to tell a story, uh, trying to get a community to rally behind uh, an institution and teams. And, and I go back to that original point, you know, where I look back now and I, I'm, I'm so thankful that I am where I am. Um, you know, I remember in first, second grade, I, I didn't watch cartoons. I, I drew football stadiums uh, on a piece of white paper, and I thought, well, this is where the students should be, and, and here's where the, the, the end zone should look like. And, you know, I look back now and I realize this is what I always hope to do, uh, and I'm very thankful to be able to do it. Wish I could say that I was watching cartoons. Matter of fact, you still, I still are, watch aren't you? Cartoons. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Like I, I don't stop. I know one last, one last one because I know you guys have some other things going on today. Since the Fourth of July is right around the corner, I would like to know your favorite Fourth of July tradition or memory. I'll let you go first on that one. You've had more of them than I have. Oh, right? that's oh. true. That's true. <laughs> I just, I just had a birthday recently, as a matter of fact, so I'm getting that, that uh, uh, reminder. Uh, but the age I am, you get a choice whether to accept it or reject it. So I had rejected it. I'm just going to stay where I am. Fourth uh, of July, the, uh, I guess one memory uh, is encompassed into the flag, and it's Independence Day, and uh, that it took a while in my life to realize the value of service men and women. And uh, characterized as an extrovert, it was also things that, nothing's 100% uh, always and ever. Like uh, people say, give thanks when you see a serviceman or you see a person in uniform, thank them. And it always seemed a little awkward. I'm like, how, you know, how do I do that? What Roll do, up know? and thank them for their service. And, uh, so uh, 
in the airport, you know, you're going by and you see these people and they're in their uniform carrying and stuff and you said, hey, thank you for your service. So finally I did it. I said, hey, thank you for the service. I said, thank you, it's an honor. You know, I'm like, ah, oh, okay, maybe I should do this again. So, so yeah, I did it again. Then, then it got up to where, you know, I'm having uh, a meal in Waffle House. I love Waffle House. Me too. You know, Me not too. all the time, but when it's time for Waffle it's fine House. fine cuisine, huh? It's the hash browns. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, I'm having uh, a meal, and I see a service person uh, by themselves uh, having a nice meal themselves. And when I paid, I said, I want to take care of that person's and, uh, you know, paid for their meal. And uh, as I left, they didn't know I'd done that. Uh, I, I just said, you know, gave him a little thanks. And he said, oh, yeah. So he didn't know about it, but that made me feel better. I was like, oh, you know what? That's a good thing. Uh, so now I'm, I'm much more overt about it. Every time I see someone with a veteran's hat, I make a point to say, thank you for your service. And uh, my grandfather served in World War I. My father served in World War II. And uh, I have never had any formal allegiance with the service, uh, the military. But that's my greatest memory, that as we you know, grill the hot dogs and hamburgers and uh, crack a cold beverage and have a celebration, it's a day off, it's a long weekend. That's my memory, I don't have to work. Uh, <laughs> that there is something that went before. Yep. And it's celebrating our independence as a country. And you think about all of the uh, sacrifices that were made for that, that it really matters. It's like, so yeah, it's kind of cornball. Uh, I'm not telling anything that none of your listeners already know that it's Independence Day and, and our service uh, folks made it possible, but uh, let's give thanks to those folks. That's probably the, the biggest thing uh, that I think of. And I said, good, now everybody's on board. So we thank them together. It's not just Memorial Day or Flag Day or Independence Day. Every day. Yep, and we owe them. So here, anybody that's listening, thank you for your service. Thank you for uh, providing uh, what makes this country totally awesome and the best place in the world to live. And uh, thank you for allowing us to be part of it. Preach it, sir. Yeah, I, I don't know that I can <laughs> say a lot better um, or much better. Um, yeah, but, you know, for me, uh, similar to what, what Ted has said, um, it's a day to reflect, um, you know, and the fact that despite our country, you know, every country has problems. And despite the ones that we navigate, you still kind of pinch yourself, at least I do, and think I'm fortunate to live here. And I'm fortunate that in 1776 that we did declare our independence. And, and I'm very thankful that three weeks ago, you know, Juneteenth became, or two weeks ago, Juneteenth became a federal holiday because that was that was important as well, mm -hmm. and those two things together to me um, show that we're on the right path. Uh, for me, you know, when when my family and I get together, um, you know, Ted talked about his mom, and and for me, I think back of special memories being at my aunt's house who had a pool, and my cousins and all of us, you know, doing a whirlpool, and my parents being there. Um, and while time and distance, you know, makes replicating that every single year impossible, the same spirit applies, hopefully, in our house. Uh, my wife, our four kids, uh, they sacrifice a lot to allow me to do what I love to do. Uh, and so I enjoy being with them and being outside and listening to music and having the grill going and the slip and slide all over the place. And, uh, you know, really just family is important to me. Uh, and family is possible because, uh, again, of, of all those things that Ted just mentioned. Uh, and, and red, white, and blue frosting. 
on everything. Cupcakes, cakes. And I love those bomb know. pops. Bomb pops. I was just oh, about to say the bomb pops. pops. All right. We, before we wrap it up on this debut, kicking it with the Colonels. I love it. I just Miller, love the name. All right, man. What's your best July 4th memory or tradition? Lay it on us. Mine would have – I'm thinking. My parents are in the service. Yeah, I thought I smelled something. <laughs> it, it happens all the time. My brain starts frying. Uh, no, my, uh, my parents are in the service, so I was born and raised overseas. I spent a majority of my 4th of Julys um, in Germany. So I think my favorite memory really is just behind our library, right across the street from our bowling alley, where I spent a lot of my youth. Um, every 4th of July, there'd be a big, a big fireworks display. And like the entire base, military housing community of Patrick Henry Village, Mark Twain Village, they'd all come around. Everybody would have blankets. Some people would have little charcoal grills set up and it's just a big, it's just a big party. Sun finally goes down. Just a big fireworks display, and they always ended it with, like, lighting a sparkler type uh, American flag that normally ran about one minute. Just light up on the soccer field right next to the, uh, right next to the bowling alley. Yeah, that's awesome. Gives me the the feeling of unity. It's like, yeah, at least for a moment, you know, we're all one. Yeah. Uh, very cool. Very cool. Well, gentlemen, I really appreciate your time coming out for our first episode of Kicking It with the Colonels and Fans. Don't forget, look out for more. We tend to drop episodes, hopefully, twice a month if it's at all possible. We will have various hosts throughout, but hopefully I will be back. Guests will bring us the best ones that we can find for you. So that will do it for the inaugural episode of Kicking It with the Colonels. We look forward to talking to you soon.